Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. The policy has no fine print. It's clear what's covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this pet store is protected by three. Joe, did you leave the snake tank open? Look, I don't want to point fingers, but yes. It's fighting me. Sorry, sir. I'm calling my lawyer. They're going to need some help with this mess. Luckily, they have three. No fine print, just exceptional coverage. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three. No nonsense, just common sense. Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, hello there and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles. Our guest today, turns out, is not only uh, uh, also a WellMed physician and a PCP, but he and Barbie, no, he and Barbie, he, he works with Dr. Barbie Lopez. That's what made me think of it. But he and Dr. Charles are also acquainted and friends. And so it's like old home week here on WellMed Radio. And Dr. Charles, it's really great to see you again. It's good to see you too, Ron. And I see you're working out of your home setting. We do this on Zoom, folks on the radio. You don't see this, uh, but you're doing an educational a series this week. What are you studying? So I'm doing a, a continuing medical education week. Um, there's a virtual conferences that you can get uh, access to from home these days. So I decided to stay home and um, catch up. And it's a family medicine conference. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, this morning, we were talking about osteoporosis and low back pain and cervical um, injuries. And so, but the topics are going to be wide and varied. So it's going to be a fun week. Cool. Well, I like that. And the topic that we're going to start with today, that deals with flu. Uh, and with all of the talk about coronavirus, about uh, COVID-19 and the Delta variant, uh, it turns out because so many folks are wearing masks, not enough, but many, many are. Uh, there's been a lower incidence of flu, has there not? Yes. Um, last year, we actually did see quite a lot less, uh, you know, influenza cases than what we typically see in a year. But um, now that people have, you know, reduced the amount of masking and are starting to go out in public, we're expecting to see the flu again. Well, we're going to welcome our special guest, Dr. Josh Hollinger. You find him at Wellman at Great Northwest. He is a uh, uh, Earned his medical degree from the University of Texas School of Medicine in San Antonio. Completed his family medicine residency at the University of Texas Health Science Center, now called Texas Health, here in San Antonio as well. He's board certified in family medicine, and it's a pleasure, Dr. Hollinger, to welcome you on WellMed Radio. Well, thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. And yeah, what, attract, what attracted uh, you to work with WellMed? Uh, I think initially it was a, a few things, one of which is uh, sort of the work-life balance that we all seek so desperately. Um, you know, they just, they had a much better system and still do. Um, so it's a lot easier to get on board with some of the, the work that we do. And, and again, just the way that it's actually executed is very well done. And you get um, more time with patients than you might otherwise. Yeah, that's the goal. Absolutely. Fee for service. So you got to churn them through there like making widgets. There you go. Exactly. It's sort of a cattle call too, you know, next now serving number 37, you know. <laughs> exactly. So talk to us about flu, the flu vaccine. Uh, there's been a lot of attention, of course, to the uh, uh, COVID-19 vaccine, which I'm hoping more and more people will get. 
but let's not forget the flu vaccine, right? Absolutely. Yeah, the flu vaccine, uh, it's different every year. There's, uh, there's a lot of factors involved there, but one of those, and this is kind of interesting, the genome or the genetic material of the virus is actually in segments, which means it can sort of switch its order around um, very easily, which is why we see so much variation, and which is why every year we have to get a new vaccine, because they're basically looking at how is this going to change and trying to predict what are going to be the predominant strains. So flu vaccines every year are absolutely necessary, and the season runs around September to February or March. Um, I, I wanted to piggyback on to what, to, what Marissa was saying earlier. The, it's actually like the lowest flu rates we had seen in 40 years this past year. And I think I, I agree completely. It's basically because of the masking and some of the other um, protocols we were already doing to prevent the spread of germs. And actually, the 40-year the mark is as long as we've had flu data. So, you know, as long wow. as we can remember, essentially, it's never been that low. And, and of course, I, many of us were self-quarantined in our homes. So not mixing it up in public. True. But again, I also think the, the masks had a big part to play in that. And I really would like to see that continue going forward. I think we've seen how easily the, the flu season could be managed in the future. Uh, and I think just as simple as wearing masks when going out in public, I think that could make a huge, huge difference. Now, in some countries, wearing masks is much more accepted. I'm thinking, for example, in, in Japan, you see a lot more people, at least in the video I see, wearing masks. Sure. Now, to be fair, though, uh, some of that that you see, especially in Asian countries, has more to do with pollution concerns, at least initially. Um, a lot of folks are wearing it because of smog. Now, arguably, these regular surgical masks are probably not filtering out a lot of that smog, so they may <laughs> not be getting that much out of it. But also, when you have a very high population density, it can be much more of an issue whenever there's uh, you know, flu or cold or something that's spreading around. So uh, similar to how we saw sort of the opposite in India, and they had that big flare up of COVID because most people were not wearing masks. And again, very high population density. Um, and, and honestly here, part of the issue is it's just been politicized too much. Uh, instead of just sort of doing what's a pretty simple actually very simple, very effective method to reduce the spread of the disease and trying not to get our friends and neighbors sick. Um, some folks just don't want to do it for, for really for the wrong reasons. Now, if you've just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Our guest today is Dr. Joss Hollinger. You find him at WellMed of the Great Northwest. We're talking flu, flu vaccine, and flu season and we're delighted to have you joining us today. Uh, so, Dr. Hollinger, I, I know for a period of time uh, when it came to uh, uh, vaccines for seniors, there was a super shot for that flu vaccine, a little more juice than others might be getting. Is that still the case? So the high-dose flu is still being manufactured, um, and some of our patients are still receiving it. However, for the most part, uh, plenty of studies with CDC uh, for, for years now at this point have shown that it doesn't have any significant benefit, any difference than the regular flu. So the biggest thing nowadays is just get the flu vaccine whenever you can. So if you're seeing your PCP or you're in the pharmacy and all they have is the regular flu, arguably it's gonna be just as effective. It's about a 10th of the cost, which is another benefit, and then it's there. So better to get it than to wait for something that, you know, someone has, has sort of advertised to you is gonna be more effective. Because of course- I always thought more was better. 
Yeah, well, you know. Well, I, then you're right. Stronger yes. dose, then you've got to consider potentially more side effects. Exactly. Um, and so what we're really trying to see is reduction in hospitalizations, reduction in, um, you know, effects of the virus. And so if we're not really seeing any benefit in reducing hospitalizations from taking the higher dose, plus there's a higher risk of side effects. So I'm, I'm doing the same thing as Dr. Hollinger. I'm basically recommending, you know, in the office, we tend to carry the regular dose of flu vaccine and any one of my patients that wants it, we are going to give it. Um, you know, the, the staff is trained to ask and try to get it done before I even walk in the room. So we really do um, have a lot of faith in these uh, influenza vaccines and want all our patients to get them. And we're now at the end of September, moving into October. Uh, and I, I'd always thought that this was the best time to get that flu shot. So we're talking about uh, what what that flu shot does. And Dr. Hollinger, you said it changes every year. Is that a roll of the dice or uh, how do they know what strain of flu to go after? Yeah, so they, they definitely are, are tracking sort of the, the virus in, in the community, if you will. Um, they do have to make a prediction, okay? So they have to look at it and see, okay, there's, there's different concepts. There's genetic drift and genetic shift. Drift is where there's very small changes in a particular direction over time. Shift is more of a rapid and, and significant change. So they're really looking at the patterns. How are these things mutating and trying to predict, okay, I think that these particular strains are going to be the predominant ones and then build the vaccine based off of that. Now to give some perspective too on vac vaccine efficacy for the flu vaccine on a typical year, if we get 45 or 50% effectiveness out of the vaccine, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Which these days, I mean, that makes the COVID vaccine rates that we're seeing just so much better because you're, you're getting close to hundred percent effectiveness. Um, one of the things too to clarify with, with most folks is that it's not preventing all infection with coronavirus, but the serious stuff where you go to the hospital, you're on the ventilator and, and people that of course are dying from it. And with the flu vaccine, uh, you're protected against some strains of the flu. Doesn't mean you won't get the flu. Correct. Correct. And, and what I was talking about earlier with the segmented, uh, genetic material that viruses have, it's even possible because of how quickly that can change to be co-infected with multiple strains of the same flu virus. So it's, it's a big thing to, to try to prevent this as best we can. It's not foolproof, it's not 100%, but it's definitely a lot, lot better than zero. And I think, go ahead, I was Marissa. just gonna say, you know, what was it about 10 years ago when we had that swine flu outbreak? Um, you know, those are things that you can't quite predict, but when they happen, you know, they're able to shift the vaccine. So I remember that particular year, a second, you know, flu vaccine came out to protect against that variant. And so we just went ahead and gave an additional dose to protect against that particular strain. And every year there, there's the possibility of that happening. And yes, the best time to get the flu vaccine is going to be in October, um, September, October are great times to do it um, because the most effectiveness of that vaccine is going to be for about four months, maybe, which would put us through October, November, you know, December, January, which is when that flu virus is the most active. So now's the time to go and get those flu vaccines. Absolutely. Does that mean you ought to get a shot then next spring uh, to increase the protection? We no, typically so don't recommend that. No. Typically no booster is needed for that. Um, that being said, if you have not gotten your vaccine for the flu by January and I'm seeing you in clinic, I'm definitely going to recommend you get it. Although it takes a couple of weeks after the vaccine to have full effectiveness, 
you're still right in the hot zone as far as time to get infected. So still a, a good benefit to be conveyed there. Now we're going to take a, a moment to step aside. And when we come back, Dr. Hollinger, I'm curious because I know some folks are thinking, well, if I've got that COVID vaccine and I get that flu vaccine, are they fighting each other in my body? Are those antibodies going after each other? We'll talk about that next right here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio. WellMed is a homegrown Texas health care provider. During the Medicare annual enrollment period, be sure to pick a plan that includes WellMed for care focused on you. Visit WellMed, find a doctor.com slash radio three or call 210-675-8189. Calling this number connects to Simply Enroll, license number 2623676, a licensed insurance agency that explains Medicare Advantage and Medicare supplemental insurance drug options to Medicare enrollees. Thank you so much for sticking with us right here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles, and our guest today, Dr. Josh Hollinger. He's at WellMed at Great Northwest, and we're talking about vaccines. Flu vaccine is where we began, and we'll drift into other vaccines as well. But Dr. Hollinger, I was asking you, for folks who've gotten the COVID-19 vaccine, uh, who want the flu vaccine, who may think, wait a minute, are my antibodies going to fight with each other? Yeah, so they've actually come out and said, CDC and FDA, I believe both, were saying that it's perfectly safe to get both at the same time. Uh, The thing we have to realize about vaccines is that they are exposing our immune system to something so that that we can basically train our immune system. Um, Our immune system doesn't necessarily need to have undivided attention in order to have a good response. Uh, So, yeah, absolutely. They're they're not fighting each other. It's not counterproductive. They're just different things. I always like to use analogies. So, I mean, if you were uh, wearing a hat and an umbrella in the rain, you're going to stay dry. But, you know, the, the hat and the umbrella aren't fighting with each other. They're just serving different purposes, right? And so don't worry about it. Get the vaccine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when we talk about especially those 65 and older and, and younger as well, what other vaccines uh, are recommended uh, as a way to protect ourselves? Yeah, so pneumonia vaccine, which is protecting against the most common causes of pneumonia, uh, that was recommended at age 65 and above. It should be a single-time dose. Uh, there are some cases where there may be some immune deficiency that, that may need a, a, a second dose, but for the most part, it's just that one. Uh, shingles is recommended as well. That one's trying to prevent, of course, the, the shingles uh, uh, rash, but more importantly, the severe nerve pain that can happen before, during, or after the actual rash. And uh, folks have described that one to me as feeling like they're on fire. Now, the only tricky part of that is that insurance does not cover that one the same across the board. So in some cases, it may be up to a couple hundred dollars of a copay. So I definitely recommend people take a look at all the factors and before they make those decisions. Well, the pain uh, that comes with shingles, uh, although 200 bucks, for example, is a lot of money. It's sure worth it if you have to pay it not to get that incredibly painful rash. Absolutely. Because again, it can last for years in some cases. I've had uh, patients that have struggled with the, the zoster pain, shingles pain for years. Absolutely. Oh. It's not that common. Most people that last several weeks to maybe a month, but it can. And I mean, even a month of misery 
is is pretty bad yeah. so yeah and like i say that description of uh, feeling like they're on fire that really stuck out to me and i was like okay that's pretty intense yeah that would mm-hmm. hurt yeah and of course that's completely nerve mediated which means you know to look at you absolutely nothing's wrong but if your nerves are telling your brain that you're on fire by golly you are on fire mm-hmm. <laughs> now as i understand it that uh pain and that rash runs along only one nerve strand could be yeah. a line in your face could be uh elsewhere but it's just one length of nerve yeah that's a good point so basically what it is it's the chicken pox virus and what happens is this virus stays in our body it gets into that nerve and it goes back towards our spine which is where the actual nucleus or where the genetic material of that nerve is uh, and it hangs out there and it basically just camps out until such time as either from age, from other infections, from stress, not sleeping enough, all these things, your immune system is compromised. And then it basically takes its window of opportunity. It runs through that nerve up to the surface skin where it started and sets up the rash and then all this pain we're talking about. And that's another key point is when you have something like this, it's gonna be on one side of the body or the other because of the way those nerves run. So if you're having something that goes across your entire chest, your entire belly, something like that, it's probably not shingles. Either way, though, come get it checked out. And for those uh, who have had chicken pox, they're at risk for shingles, right? Correct. It's the exact same virus, essentially. So, you know, the, the folks who are younger these days who actually got the varicella vaccine as children, they won't even have to worry about this. Um, but it's the rest of us who, you know, we're lucky enough to have the oatmeal baths and and yeah. have the, you know, the oven mitts taped to our hands so we wouldn't scratch ourselves. All, <laughs> all and we right. all went to chicken pox parties. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And even then, um, even though the, the chicken pox, if you don't remember having had it, you know, it's so common that most people have been exposed or maybe they had it when they were so little or their case was so mild that it didn't turn into that big, huge rash all over your body. Um, so the recommendation um, age 65 plus, or actually starting at age 50, yeah. is to get that shingles vaccine, whether you remember having had chicken pox or not. Just to be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, and the vaccine doesn't give you chicken pox. Correct. 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 No, uh, it doesn't. Vaccines, that's a, that's a big misconception. I'm glad you brought that up. But, you know, lots of people think, oh, I got the flu from my flu shot or, you know, I got the, the shingles from my shingles vaccine or whatever. That's not how they work. Uh, again, there is that two-week approximate window of time before vaccines become fully effective. So, you know, flu is, is a classic example of that. Number one, most people are actually describing an immune response. So they're getting a response to the vaccine, which is what we want. It's just intense and uncomfortable. But if you actually get the flu and it lasts for several days up to a couple of weeks, that could be in that first two-week time period. So, you know, don't get your flu vaccine and then think, okay, well, everything's fine. I can go immediately hang out with friends and family without wearing any masks and we can cough all over each other. No problem. <laughs> I'm protected. That's, that's not how they work. So we definitely still need to be careful. And you're not protected against every strain of the flu. So uh, well, the A and B, I'm not sure what numerals they use. Yeah. I mean, not only that, there's other viruses out there that can give you upper respiratory type infections. You know, so you might be protected against influenza um, and then COVID if you've been vaccinated against COVID. But there are other viruses out there that can give you upper respiratory infections. Um, You know, so I I often think maybe there's coincidence like, oh, I've had patients that say I don't like getting the flu shot because every time I get it, I get sick that year. 
Right. Well, but was it flu? <laughs> you know, because right. there's a lot of other viruses. And even if it was flu, well, perhaps having had the vaccine uh, resulted in you not ending up in the hospital. So, because we definitely, well, I mean, not this past year, but in years prior, we would have, you know, patients lined up in the hallways in the hospital um, trying to get treated for flu. So, now I, I know, and, and, and as a parent of small children, uh, one of our little twins developed RSV when he was very young, uh, also a respiratory infection. Uh, and, and I read somewhere that uh, that's been spreading again. I've heard that as well, that yeah. they had a lot of cases of RSV here in these last, I guess when they started with the in-person school again and, you know, kids in daycares, it spreads like wildfire because that's another very contagious upper respiratory infection. Now, does that target adults as well or just kids? I think adults can also get symptoms from RSV. I don't think they typically get as severe, but I have seen adults that, you know, you run the respiratory, the viral panels, and it'll show up RSV as well. Yeah, because our boy had to be hospitalized when, when he developed it for a couple of days. He did great, but yeah. it was pretty scary. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing, too, is, you know, when you think about our, our immune systems haven't seen some of these same germs that are in kids until we have kids of our own. And then, you know, it's, it kind of knocks us for a loop. It's like, whoa, I don't even know what this is. And so you have these lovely uh, colds <laughs> and different respiratory infections that our, our kids like to share with us. They're very generous. Yeah, well, their kids are Petri dishes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, one of our little nicknames for them is little bioterrorists because of course, <laughs> that's, that's, that's just running exactly around right. spreading germs to everybody. I like that, bioterrorists. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Now, when, when we're talking about vaccines, uh, one that uh, certainly is recommended uh, and certainly required for schools is tetanus. Uh, and it's the one question nobody can remember. So when was your last tetanus shot? Exactly. Nobody on this earth can remember that, right? That's a tough one. Yeah. What I, what I did, cause my, you know, you get it when you're pregnant, you know, or, or at least that was a recommendation over the last, what, like 15 years or so you get it in pregnancy. So my youngest child is 11. So when she was 10, I went ahead and got mine. So trying to keep up with her, you know, as far as every right. 10 years, but it's very hard to remember unless there's been an accident or you were, you know, in the emergency room, you got a cut with metal, then people say, oh yeah, I do remember having a tetanus shot then. Right, right. And of course the the, the Tdap specifically, which is tetanus, diphtheria, acellular pertussis, that's the one that also has the whooping cough folded into it. So definitely, you know, CDC recommendation has been anyone 25 years of age or older should have that one specifically at least once in their life. From a practical standpoint, I pretty much, we, we stick with that in the clinic. So we just do the, the Tdap every 10 years for folks. Uh, it's perfectly safe to get it more often than every 10 years because they do it all the time in the hospitals. If you come to the ER and you say, I don't know, guess what? You just got another tetanus shot. So, you know, but but like, you know, to Dr. Charles's, Charles's point, those are usually the instances where you remember it because it was traumatic. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the whooping cough also has a resurgence. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where basically our immunity uh, forgot, for lack of a better term. It kind of waned against that stuff. We, oof, gosh, how many years ago was that? Um, at least a handful of years ago, we started seeing a lot more cases of it. Um, and that's when we started really stressing the Tdap vaccine. Because, again, we were seeing folks who were 65 and up getting this you know, supposed childhood illness. And the problem is once you have multiple populations that can spread this, they can just kind of spread it back and forth to each other. 
Um, so, you know, grandkids getting grandparents sick and right. another folks Vice sick. Versa. Your kids are yeah. And with pertussis, it's a very, you know, annoying cough that does not go away for a couple months, you know, regardless of what you do. Um, and in adults, it's very bothersome. It typically doesn't end up being lethal in adults, but especially little ones before the age of one, I guess they get vaccinated. You know, you start with the vaccination process around six months. It's, you know, I think you're 18 months when you get that last Tdap. So during that period of time in a child's life, um, hospitalizations are, are a lot more common for pertussis and they can get a, very severe. It's a very distinctive cough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you hear it. You know, right? Yeah. Kind of barky, yeah. What does it sound like? Which one of you can do it for me? <laughs> no, I'm not a good cough actor. <laughs> How about Josh can? Let's see, let's see. <clears throat> Something like that, maybe? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, cover awesome. your mouth when you cough, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> now, are there other vaccines that, uh, uh, certainly for kids, there are a ton of vaccines. Uh, for adults, do you need a measles booster, for example? Uh, that's dependent on the case. For the most part, no. Um, but there are some things where, depending on your job, really, is where you may have a, what's called a titer uh, checked. And the titer is just your level of antibodies. So if you if you have a low, low enough titer, then it may be recommended to repeat a vaccine. Um, but but yeah. generally speaking, not a necessary requirement. Yeah, we tend to test for that in pregnancy as well. And identify folks that have very low titers and go from there. We also do hepatitis vaccines and like people in the medical field, for example. Right. Um, but I think, I mean, the ones for above 65, I think we covered them. But well, the, we are flat out of time now. Main and idea Dr. is get your uh, flu shot. Dr. Hollinger, yes. Last word, get your flu shot, right? That's right. Hey, thanks, Josh. We, we really appreciate you coming on, Dr. Josh Hollinger. You find him at Wilmot at Great Northwest. I'm Ron Aaron for my co-host, Marisa Charles. We'll talk with you again soon right here on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. The policy has no fine print. It's clear what's covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this pet store is protected by three. Joe, did you leave the snake tank open? Look, I don't want to point fingers, but yes. It's biting me. Sorry, sir. I'm calling my lawyer. They're going to need some help with this mess. Luckily, they have three. No fine print, just exceptional coverage. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense.